0: put a pause on all the stuff that bothers us and annoys us and frustrates us. Um, It's a beautiful day because it's Sabbath and we don't have to worry about working and we don't have to worry about when the football game or we don't have to worry about any of that other stuff because today we get to just sit back and allow God in some ways to run everything. Before we get into our official sermon, um, I want to thank the church family for something. If you're visiting with us And you don't know, last month, the month of October, was Pastor Appreciation Month. And one of the things that the church did for me is they wrote on index cards all of the reasons they are thankful for having me here. It was completely unexpected, church family. I read those and then reread them. And uh, my eyeballs got a little bit sweaty. I think it was allergies. (laughs) And uh, it was just one of the... it, It actually is the kindest and most awesome thing a church has ever done for me. And, um, and what makes it so amazing is that um, I'm not perfect. I haven't always made the right choices. So what we believe is that the Christmas story and the fact that God sends Jesus to us, that that is the crowning story of hope for us, that we are not alone, that God has heard the cry of his people, and God sends Jesus, God in human flesh, to give us hope. And so this series is entitled Journey to Hope. And so this morning, I've actually, all week, I was really looking forward to this message um, because of the nature of the talk. And so this morning's message is hope in the midst of divisive politics. So what's three days away? An election, yeah. And almost all of you know either already who you voted for or who you're going to vote for. And um, <laughs> so there's a couple of pictures that I want to show, and then I'm going to get into this. Um, the next picture I'm going to show you has nothing to do with my personal views, okay? It was just funny, and I saw it somewhere, and I looked for one on the opposite end of the political spectrum, but I didn't find one, so just enjoy for what it is, okay? There's a, there's a, a sign for a particular politician, and then next to it says, husband sign, not wife and sons. <laughs> Have you ever noticed... That politics can be extremely divisive. Pits brother against brother and sister against sister. I'm laughing, that's funny. (laughs) And husband and wife against each other. You know, there's something about politics that we just become so passionate about. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, like, we, we will get, you know, we will come to fight with our friends and family and church members over who we are going to vote for. Have you ever noticed that? Here's another picture. Now, if you posted this next picture on your Facebook wall, I didn't get it from your wall. I saw it from somebody that doesn't come to this church, and I thought it was good. It says, I desperately need to hide political post button on Facebook so I can still like all my friends after the election year is over. Politics can become extremely divisive. Look, I fell away too, a little bit, a little bit, not that much. Because ultimately I know that God is in control of all things and history is moving forward. And so whether it's, you know, Barack Obama or Mitt Romney and the president, um, God is still ultimately in control and God will move all things forward and God will renew all things eventually. And one day everything will be the way it should be. I'm not minimizing your political vote, by the way. I think everybody should vote. I think voting is good. It's, a, it's the mark of our democratic... Um, country it's what allows us to be a free country and so I think the voting is good now the next picture because politics can be extremely divisive perhaps the best way to decide who you're going to vote for and by the way this is not I'm not going to tell you who to vote for unless you want to write my name into the ballot that's okay joke (laughs) I saw this picture (laughs) and I thought to myself And I thought to myself, somebody gets it. Somebody really gets it. It's funny. (laughs) That's just because you are my church family. If you're visiting with us, please understand that one of the main main, uh, driving forces behind our church gatherings is we have to have a good time at church because this is a glimpse of what eternity will be like. And if we don't have a good time, and if we don't laugh together, we don't grow together. And if we don't laugh together and love each other, we're not going to be there for each other when things get extremely difficult. Things can even get so divisive on Facebook that we have a picture like this. It says, brace yourselves, everyone on Facebook's about to become a constitutional scholar. It's ironic that the very mark of our democratic society, which is a free election, can also be filled with so much hate And division. It saddens me that the people that we are voting for have nothing good to say about the other guy. You know, I am convinced that a person who will win on a landslide would be the politician, man or woman, who comes out and says, I really like this other person. I've had lunch with him. I've had dinner with them. We've gone golfing together. We've hung out. I like him or her, but I disagree with their policies. But we don't even see that. It's like they're not allowed to like each other until after the election. And these are the people that we are deciding to vote for to lead our country. I read in the New York Times yesterday that each of the campaigns has, in collection with their other super PACs has raised about a billion dollars each. It's probably more than that. One billion, with a B, billion dollars. And these are the guys that we are voting for to handle our... Taxes. And all they're spending it on is on advertisements and campaigning. And these are the guys that we're choosing. Politics, and I'm not talking about local politics, I'm talking about the presidential election, can become so extremely divisive that it gets in the way of Christian brothers and sisters. It gets in between families, it gets in between friends, and I think that there is something fundamentally wrong with that. Because before we are Republican or Democrat or Libertarian, there's only one, uh, two, (laughs) joking, whatever party you affiliate yourself with, before we are any of those things, we are children of God made in the image of God. And even if we have one favorite political party or one favorite political person, it's okay for us to disagree as long as we are civil And kind and nice about it. So there are seven things I want to just I I saw this little article and I want I want to show you. There's seven things Christians need to remember about politics. So this will help us to get along. Now I'm doing this because I think it's pertinent and it's important because this is just a part of the reality that we live in. So here's seven things to know. See if I did this right. Both political parties go to church. Political talk radio and cable news only want ratings. Those who argue over politics don't love their country more than others. Thinking your party's platform is unflawed is a mistake. Scripture tells us to pray for our governing leaders and to respect those in authority. Don't be paranoid. (laughs) Stop saying this is the most important election in the history of our nation. Amen. You guys get it, it's kind of light and fun, but it's true. In four years, we're going to go through the same thing. I, I used to be really, really, really into politics until I got so sick of the divisiveness that I was like, I'll, I'll take my news when I, where I can get it, but I'm done. I'll vote and I'll do my civic duty, but I'm done. Because there's no room for all of this divisiveness and hate. Why can't we all just work together? So as we kind of come to this, we we'll want to ask this question. So what do we do about this This divisive politics? How do we learn to navigate? And so I want to share with you a couple of passages to show that there is still hope in the midst of all the negativity. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to First Timothy chapter 2, or you can read on the screen with me. And this is what we find in Scripture. It says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions. So, in essence, we could say for presidents and senators and congressmen and city council members and all sorts of the people who lead us, pray for all of them so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of our God, our Savior. So what the Bible tells us about politics is this. Offer up supplications, prayer, intercessions, and thanksgivings, even if it's not the guy you voted for. Because we all have a vested interest in this country being the best that it can be. Right? And so, it wouldn't hurt if as a collective whole we prayed for either our current president or the president that is to come because as the Bible tells us, to pray for our leaders, it is right and it is acceptable in the sight of God. Amen? We are a Christian people and prayer is a defining mark of who we are. Prayer, supplications. We pray for our leaders because they are elected to serve and do what is good for the people. Now, our president is not all-powerful. Our president cannot control everything, and in many ways, our presidents don't even have all that much power anyway. There's, there's checks and balances. There's ways that things are done in this country, and so our president, um, as much as we want our guy to win, is not all-powerful. I think sometimes we ascribe the power of God and the omnipotence of God and we put it on our presidents and say, okay, now this person is going to fix everything. And does it ever get fixed right away? No, no. I think that what has happened is that as a people, we have delegated the work of making the world a better place. We have delegated that work to our elected leaders. It's as though we put all of our hope all of our expectations on the people that are elected, and we say, okay, it's now your job, fix everything. The problem with that is that it is you, as a believer in Jesus, it is your sacred calling and your sacred duty to make this world a better place. It is not for us to delegate to our politicians. It is not for us to delegate to the president to make everything better, but rather it is your sacred calling to do all that you can to be the hands and feet of Jesus and change the world around us for the better. That is biblical from beginning until end. We follow in the footsteps of Abraham, who says that he is to be a blessing to all nations. Remember the song Father Abraham? You guys know that song Father Abraham, how many sons? How many sons? sons... Yeah. The idea behind that is that everyone who follows Abraham would be a blessing to this world. That offspring of Abraham is you, and you are to be a blessing. As the people of God, you and I are called to bring the good news of the gospel to everyone, everywhere, all the time. We are called to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit the prisoners, to care for the elderly, and to give hope to those who have no hope. We have often placed our hope in presidents and political parties, and what we needed to do all along was to put our hope in God. Because if our hope is in God, God will reciprocate that and he will give us the duty and the sacred calling to be the change that needs to happen in this world. And by the way, we want change all the time. Good change, good things to happen. Politicians exploit our fears. I'm talking about presidential level now, okay? Not local. They exploit our fears because they say, if you vote for that guy, oh my gosh, everything's going to go horribly wrong. If you vote for the other guy, oh, no, you don't want to do that because this group of people is going to suffer. And what you have is back and forth, back and forth, to which I'm like, I guess if either one wins, we're both going to be in a bad situation. The truth is, they're doing that. They're exploiting our fears so that we can vote for one or the other. Now, I don't know about you, but God has never put any fear in my heart. God takes away the fear. God takes away the anxiety. God takes away all of the negative and all of the bad. And so for me, it is my choice, it is my hope that I vote for Jesus as president of my life. Jesus is our leader. Jesus, the Bible says, is the head of the church. Can you imagine this? So much of this political, so much of the politics is um, Christians arguing over who we should vote for, right? Right? What do you think would happen if all of Christianity in our nation said, okay, forget the politics, forget all of this. Let's just pool all of our resources together, our time, our money. Let's see how all of these millions of Christians in this country, what would happen if we just decided to work together to make this country a better place? Wouldn't that change everything? But instead, we can't do that because we are so busy demonizing other people. And the reality is, is that I think that this saddens God when we lose sight of what is truly important and place all of our time, emphasis, and effort into demonizing the other. So we keep going to the next passage in Scripture. And it says, I therefore, this is Paul writing, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you, he's talking to Christians now, I beg you, put your name in there, you David, to lead a life that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all, and in all. The political process is a privilege, it's a right that we have in this country, but we must never forget that before there was any kind of political parties, before there was even a nation, we are in one God, one people, one spirit, to do good for everyone, always, And so Paul says, lead a life that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called with humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. When we think about this divisive politics in our country, we can either choose to partake in it or we can choose to say, it's fine that you like that person, I like this person, but guess what? That's not going to get in the way of our friendship. That's not going to get in the way of our marriage. That's not going to get in the way of our relationship. We will not let that get in the way. It's a part of being a free society. That's great. I'm glad we can vote. I, I don't vote early. I want to go and vote with all the other people because it's fun. I like it. But we cannot let any of that stuff get in the way of what the Bible has called us to. Before, I'm going to say this, I hope it's not offensive. Before there was a constitution, there was what? There was God's word. Before there was a bill of rights or any rules or any laws, there was God's word. And God's word always points us to Jesus. And if we focus on that, regardless of all the other stuff that's going on, regardless of that, we will be in a good position because we will be busy living a life that is worthy of the calling by which we have been called. We will be humble. We will be gentle. We will be patient. We will bear one another in love, which means that even if you hate what the other person is saying and disagree, it's okay because they're your Christian brother and sister, and it's, okay. Let them talk what they want to talk. It's not going to get in the way of your relationship with them. Bear one another. Bear your friend if he is Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Green Party, or even if they decide to vote for Roseanne Barr. She's on the ballot, right? That's so. every, every time. One body, one spirit. So now we're going to get to this next passage. The Bible also says that you are a chosen race. Now, when it's talking about a race, it's not talking about like American people or Mexican people or any of that, but rather it's a spiritual race. It's all of you who are believers. We make up a new, a new identity, right? So many times we put our identity in, in partisan politics, but the truth is that the Bible calls us to put our identity in God. That's why the Bible says that you and I are citizens of where? Heaven. It's the new citizenship, it's the new race, it's the spiritual Israel that the Bible calls. And it says, and it means, that we are a chosen race, a chosen people, because we are believers. And listen to this, it says that you are part of the royal priesthood, a holy nation. This is not talking about the United States. Please understand this. The United States wasn't even, like, existed when this was written, okay? This is not talking about us. This is a spiritual nature, okay? It's of spiritual nature, and it says that we are a holy nation, a people, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. What is your purpose? To declare what? The marvelous or the mighty acts of God who has called you out of darkness. Out of darkness, there is light. Out of chaos, God creates order. You are a royal priesthood. Now, let me define that really quickly. A priest, imagine that I am technically kind of a priest. Not in the Catholic way of being a priest, but in the biblical sense. A priest goes before God, or a priest intercedes for his people to God. So a priest basically is this. People come to me, and I intercede, and I help, and I do all that I can, and then I intercede on their behalf for God. So what the Bible says is all of you, every single person who is a believer, all of Christendom, you are a priest. Your job, your sacred calling is to minister and to meet the needs of the people that are around you. Amen? The whole purpose of being of a Christian is to be a priest A person who does all that he or she can in order to bring the good news of Jesus in all of its forms, which is why we as a church next Sabbath, and we can talk about this, right? And we like good sermons, and we like reading the Bible, and we like all of this, but if we don't put what we learn here into action, then it doesn't count. So what we're doing next Sabbath, we are meeting here at church at 9.30 a.m. What time, church family? which means that some of you are going to have to wake up earlier next Sabbath, okay? It's okay. You'll survive. You can take a nap in the afternoon. At 9.30, we are going to meet here in the sanctuary, and we are going to worship. We're going to sing songs. We're going to pray. We're going to have a sermon. We're going to have a closing prayer. And after that's done, every one of us who wants to is going to drive about 10 minutes down the road, and we're going to meet at the Christ Community Metropolitan Community Church, something like that, yeah. It's that long. And it's in the bulletin. You'll have the information. We are going to drive over there, and we are going to not only feed our homeless brothers and sisters a Thanksgiving meal with turkey and cranberries and stuffing and all that wonderful stuff. Not only are we going to feed them, but after they've all gotten their food, then we are going to get food, and we are going to sit with them, and we are going to break bread with them. It's not just a production line where we're just going to move them and say, okay, next, next, next. No, we're going to actually sit there, and eat with them because we believe that it's not just about giving them food for the afternoon but it's about showing them that they matter to us and they matter to god and the whole purpose of us doing this is to put into action what we find in the scriptures so you're all invited next sabbath and and by the way i will be wearing jeans and probably our orange sda t-shirt to church next sabbath because we're not going to have time to hang out. We're going to drive straight there. So I invite you to dress down if you need to in order to be able to get to the church faster. Because we believe that if all we do is speak and say words in here that sound beautiful, but we don't put them into practice, they are wasted words and we meet in vain. And so I want to read this, listen to this carefully. It is easy to have political views. That's what politicians do. But it's much harder to embody a political alternative. That's what saints do. The greater challenge is right living, not merely right thinking. In Jesus we meet not a presentation of ideas or a new political platform, but an invitation to join up, to become a part of a movement of a people that embodies the good news. In essence... We are called to lead with a towel. And this is what I mean. I'm going to be wrapping up with this. So Jesus, at the final supper, he gets down and says, Then he, Jesus, poured into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. The people of God... Are not to lead by politics or all that stuff. I mean, there's a place for all of that, but rather you and I. Now, okay, let me let me let me say it this way. So, so there's people when you say in California, if you vote for that guy, um, your vote's going to be wasted. So you either vote for him or you don't. We we've all heard it, okay? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Here's the point behind that. So it doesn't mean that, okay? Well, that's who I wanted to win. Vote's not going to count. So I'm just going to find whatever my our the fate of California is. It's tied to that? no. It's okay. You casted your vote. You did your civic duty. Now pick up a towel and serve. The idea behind Jesus washing his disciples' feet wasn't just because their feet were dirty, but rather Jesus sub- succumbs to the lowest like a servant. He gets down on his knees and he washes the disciples' feet. It's what we do when we practice communion. We do it as a reminder that we are called to be the blessing and to serve the world that is around us, regardless of what political party wins. That's irrelevant to us as Christians because our calling doesn't change. Our responsibility doesn't change. We are to lead with a towel. And Jesus had this saying where he says, my kingdom is not of this world. He's not saying that his kingdom is from heaven. What Jesus was making the point of, was that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus says is at hand, it is here, it is present. What he's saying is that my kingdom and the way I do things is not modeled by any kingdom or political system. My kingdom is not based on anything this world has ever seen. My kingdom comes from the ground up. The kingdom that I am espousing, Jesus says, is the one that leads and rules by a towel to serve to care, to be there for people, to bear one another. That is what God wants from us. And in this politically charged society of ours, I would say just step back for a moment and remember. It's great to have your political views. I'm I'm happy for them. I'm glad. I'm not bothered by any of it. Because I am reminded constantly that God is calling me to live beyond that to serve humanity, to live my life in such meaning and purpose that I will do everything I can to serve the community that God has called me to. And whoever is president or senator or congressman, it's okay. Because God is ultimately in control. Our hope is not in them. Our hope is in God. As Christians, the most important thing is not who wins, but the fact that you might be the only Christ that people will ever see. So be careful and choose your words carefully. And how you treat people, be careful about all that, because some of you, this is the only Jesus that they will see is you, and they will make a decision about God based on you. And I would say it this way to end. Christians are to be little Christs. People who put flesh on Jesus in the world today because you are the only Jesus some people will ever see. The promise of the church is this. None of us alone are Christ. That's blasphemy. But all of us together are Christ to the world. The Bible says that the church is the body of Christ. And as a church, we must embody and live out the good news of Jesus everywhere, all the time, even in the midst of divisive political views. Amen.